My name is Coach. I am part of Frameskip, and we are four gamers that love to talk about video games. And today uh, we have Seth. Seth is part of, he's he's usually our host. He tears it down. Seth. That's right. I tear it down. But you know what, Coach? I always build it back up. I love you, buddy. Okay. But that was supposed to be a positive comment. How you been? Um, I've been good. I've, I've played a lot of games this week i played a lot of apex legends um so still doing that with my buddies every night and i played oh fallout 4 today on stream i played a lot of fallout 4 um funny story though i I bought fallout 3 because i was originally gonna play fallout 3 on stream and uh can't work can't get it to work it refuses to Uh, run yeah i had a feeling you were gonna say that because it doesn't run on my computer either yep and i'm really really salty about it man like it's i'm super annoyed by it Um, here's a fun one. I have fallout three for computer. It won't work because it's a games for windows live. Yep. And like, you can get a patch for that, like an unofficial patch for the game. And even after I did that, it just crashes immediately on startup. And I'm like, man, that's, that really sucks. Cause I really wanted to play fallout three again after all these years. And now I can't because I'm not going to buy an Xbox. So I'm sure I'm not going to play it on PS three. So I don't know what to do. It's a little frustrating that Bethesda won't even like throw in a patch or fix it. Yeah, you know? man. It's apparently the problem with the game is that it does not want to run on uh, computers that have more than two cores. Oh, we've been past two cores for like a decade now. Like, I'm pretty sure we had four core CPUs when uh, Fallout Four or Fallout Three came out. So it's, I don't know, it's really frustrating, dude. Because I spent money to get it through Steam, and I feel like Steam too could have some sort of warning, like, hey, by the way. Sometimes this game doesn't work. You can get a refund on Steam pretty easily. Yep. That's right, so you can. I would recommend doing that because I actually had to do the same thing with Crisis because Crisis, same issue, won't, will not boot on my computer. So I sat, really? here for, I sat here for three hours today trying to get this game to work because I really want to play it. Like, I really want to play Fallout 3. It's my favorite Fallout, and I, I can't. Now I'm forced to play Fallout 4. Well, the oh. good news today deal of the day at GameStop Fallout 76 is 3.99 wow i know fancy he likes that game like i guess they fixed it a lot of the issues i don't know are you serious elijah yeah cuz it was just 40 dollars last night when i looked yeah, we were, no, we were all going to play it together it's deal of the day for 3.99 at GameStop yeah well, that's probably, i can't bro they're hurting oh my god they're hurting oh my god yeah all right elijah Hi, hello. How are you today, Coach? I'm doing okay. Busy. Doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Been busy myself. Uh, worked about a 12-hour day at work yesterday. That was fun. Uh, but I've been gaming a ton. A lot. Like, a lot more than I really should be. But it's worth it. What's your favorite game you've been gaming out of all those? Um, Probably. And... I hear Seth was surprised when he heard I was playing this. Uh, on my streams, I'm going for the Platinum in Skyrim. I started it right up from the beginning, and I'm going for everything. And I've been yes. having a blast. I, I'm not big on Skyrim, but for some reason, this playthrough, I'm having a ton of fun. It was a girl, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. You know a girl that's playing Skyrim right now? 
<laughs> no. I'm His going name through is all Seth. I'm about to go through all your Twitter mentions, son. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I actually who was I talking to? What are you are you playing the remastered version on uh, PS4? Yeah. yeah. Which is amazing because the version I spent the most time on before this was the PlayStation VR version. And can you install mods on it? Yes and no. You can't just do like random mods. Only the mods that are through the like Bethesda service, which right. are, I think the paid mods. And if you do that, then it voids trophies. So I can't do mods, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Austin. As much as, as much as I want Tom's the tank engine dragon. Yeah. How are you doing, Austin? Hello. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just uh, kind of getting into my new job. That's why I was out last week. I had a crazy amount of stuff going on. It was election night here in Georgia. So I was not home until like 2.30, 3 a.m. the night prior to the podcast. So um, it's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks at work. But um, I have actually had some time to put, put into Persona 5 Royal again. And I'm uh, chugging through. Um, one day I'll beat it. Hopefully soon, but I don't know. You've well, not it. to be a snitch, but Seth said you were dead last week. Yeah, I know. I listened because I <laughs> because I edited the show, so um, heard that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me think of Pineapple ah, Express. Heard that. Wish I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. What's <laughs> talking about? So I'm back. I wasn't dead, but I if I was, I'm back now. Okay, good. All right, now today we have a special guest, and he's a longtime YouTuber. Uh, his name is Michael B. The Game Genie. Michael B. Game Genie, welcome. Thank you very much, Coach. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and about how you started on YouTube, because you've been doing it for a while. Yeah, since uh, 2012, I think. I started when YouTube was a lot simpler than it is now. It was more community-driven, and there were less, um, I guess, celebrities or big, um, more famous people on YouTube, and everything seemed like it was more of a community base. So I started watching a few people and uh, felt an urge that, you know, if you're watching people, it seemed only fair to contribute, so I started making some stuff myself. Uh, Made some stuff that was really bad. I'm still making stuff that I'm sure some people would think is really bad. Uh, but uh, modeled myself after the people that I admired on YouTube, and it turned into the channel that I had. Uh, I had some success uh, with doing videos on the NES, which is probably my favorite console. I uh, went through a process where I was collecting, trying to collect every single NES game, and a lot of people followed that and thought that was fun. And yeah, I'm still here today, every now and then popping up, making videos, talking about fun NES games and other things retro-inspired that I'm interested in. So I started watching you, you were about 400 subs, and then like in a short amount of time, you just skyrocketed up because one of the series that you did, you had a couple good things. One of the things I really liked were your Halloween specials, but one thing that you focused on was your NES collection. Yeah. So tell us about that. Like, what made you want to start focusing on collecting every NES game, and what were some of the um, what were some of the harder finds that you had to that eventually that you 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 were able to get? 
Well, I was a big fan of Pat the NES Punk when I first started watching YouTube, and he had a full NES set, and I was pretty jealous of that, so I said, I want to do that too. Uh, it's a lot more difficult where I am. Uh, I'm on an island off the coast of Canada, so we don't exactly have the exact same availability that a lot of people do in the States. I mean, you guys can go out the stores. There's more stuff moving through. You can go over one state. I'm kind of stuck here on an island. I mean, it's a 10-hour ferry ride to get off it. But I was determined to collect all the games and do it physically. So no eBay, none of that stuff. I went out and <laughs> tried my best to get as much as I could here locally. But it was really, really challenging. Um, my wife went to law school at one point in New Brunswick, which is bordering right on Maine. And when I went there, I went crazy because we'd go to the flea markets and people would bring stuff down from the States into New Brunswick. And I would end up getting like a hundred games one day at the flea market. That's the kind of stuff I would come across. Yeah, I, I just did it. And I thought it would be fun to start showing people my progress with the NES collection. And yeah, people seem to be pretty interested. In terms of the hardest games, um, some of the games that I found that are really expensive now, like you look at Vice Project Doom, which I, can't, I, I haven't checked the price in a while, but Vice Project Doom kind of rose up there in price and people consider it to be like a undiscovered uh, great NES game. I paid a dollar for my copy of Vice Project Doom. And uh, Kickmaster, which is another really expensive game, one of uh, my favorites, I included it on a couple videos and I reviewed it. I got I got that for 50 cents. So <laughs> sometimes I look back at the stuff and I'm like, wow, like even though I was stuck on this island where it was so hard to get stuff, I still got very lucky when I was finding stuff. Then you have other stuff that you just got to pay for. There was no other choice for it. So I remember I finally had a chance to get little Samson and the guy that was selling it wanted five hundred dollars. And it was to me, that was way too much to pay for a game, but I eventually caved in and paid for it. But in retrospect, within a year, it started selling for like fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars $1,600. So even though I, I hated paying $500 for it, and that was the most I ever paid for an NES game, most I ever paid for any video game, um, you know, in the end, it ended up being a deal somehow. So I, uh, I've been looking up these games, their prices, as you were mentioning them. And yeah, little Samson just loose, just the cartridge goes for about thirteen hundred right now. That's U.S. That's I'm in, I'm in yeah, Canada, so thirteen hundred is about forty three thousand here. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, were there like any specific strategies you kind of used when you went about it, or was it pure luck, like you said? A lot of it's dumb luck. I'm not a smart man, so yeah. I, I tried my yeah. best. <laughs> but, you know, you I watched the Game Chasers and I watched a lot of these shows that were ongoing at the time. And you try your best to pick up tricks about um, befriending like the local resellers. That really helps, uh, especially when I was doing this, because they would probably have something. A lot of them were collectors themselves and they may have something that they didn't really want to get rid of. But because you developed a relationship, they said, you know what, I'll bring that out next time I come to the flea market. And they would usually give me a pretty good deal on it. So that that one always helped. I, I don't really it's just persistence. I mean, you constantly got to look, you constantly got to update yourself on prices and uh, be aware of what's out there. Uh, one of the really um terrible things about collecting as this process went on was when the prices started to rise and rise and rise, there were so many people making reproductions 
And uh, then you would start to get scared. People would offer you something like a zombie nation and want $200 for it. And uh, you're like, uh, well, I'm going to need you to open it up and show me the chipset. And then I had a website designed specifically to show me what the board should look like. And I hated that fact that you couldn't trust people anymore. But I mean, it got bad. There were so many people making reproductions, trying to make money, selling fake games. That was the tough part where you'd have to ask for pictures of boards before you could actually buy a game from somebody. Well, even in like on Amazon to show that a game is legit, they'll show you the board. They'll have a picture of that. So you could tell that that's legit. But, you know, I noticed Sega Genesis games are the same way. There's a lot of uh, not refurbished, but I forget what the the title is, but where it's it's just uh, it's not the original cart. Reproduction. Yeah, reproduction. There you go. So. I noticed a lot of Sega Genesis games are like that. So it's hard to find an original. So when did you, because you were so into, you know, collecting retro, when did you see that things were starting to change where it was starting to, the resellers were starting to do it just for the money and it was getting harder to find um, just your, not your, super rare games, but just even your average games that where people would shoot them up, the prices up just because it said Mario on it. Uh, well, I mean, it was, it was always like that depending on where you went. I mean, if you go to uh, pawn shops are like one of the worst places to go look for uh, retro games because the people in the pawn shops, sometimes they can be really good. There was one in New Brunswick, which was excellent, but most of the pawn shops, they don't, they don't look up the prices at all. They have no idea. They just put their own prices on it. And it, it, like, you might find something really good, but most of the time it was a nightmare. Mario would be Mario. I got to remember my accent and say it properly so people don't get mad at me. But uh, Mar- Mario would always be like 40 bucks. <laughs> it didn't matter how much the game was actually worth. It could be the f- the first one bundled in with Duck Hunt. Uh, to answer your question, 2016 is when it started really getting crazy and people were just too hard to deal with at that point it was just uh, i i i can stop doing this for a while because everybody just went nuts with the prices and uh it, it got really really competitive too uh collecting where i'm to to the point where um you would be on game trade groups and different things like that locally and people would actually like start forming enemies and clicks and i'm like this is not what i'm about i'm just trying to find games here guys i i gotta back out of this so yeah 2016 and do you miss the good days of youtube like it's different now like our community is all but gone you know uh, and i say our because you know we were all on there at some point you know and around 12 13 14 yeah we all dipped yeah and it, it, it's it's we talked about it earlier and i'll always say this when they took away the video response that killed the whole community aspect uh coach you know we all participated in a show called top three tuesday and that was when i was first starting out youtube that was like my absolute favorite thing and it wasn't just about making a video every tuesday or waiting for ed to release his video but you would actually go back and watch every other person's video as well and you became familiar with everybody. You actually formed a real community and everybody helped each other too. Like if someone put out a video, you might subscribe to them and then you would reach out. And if you felt there was something that you could offer and some advice to help them, 
you would. And it's not like today, like I'll release a video today and someone comes on and they're like, you're garbage. And th- that's not constructive criticism. <laughs> they're probably right, but <laughs> it, it's just mean and unnecessary. Back then we would, you know, reach out and private message people and we, we would help each other grow. And, you know, some people went on to do some cool things out of it. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> Ed T is, you know, he doesn't do anything. Mr. Dude, he had some good stuff. Like I really enjoyed it. And that's how I found you is because he saw one of my early videos and then, you know, through him, I was able to find a lot of people. So I miss that community. Yeah. I I was in a Christmas cartoon. Thanks to Mr. Dude. That was a lifelong dream of mine. I'd love to be in a Christmas cartoon. And he did one with so many of the people from top three Tuesday. He just did his own uh, little animation Christmas special. And uh, I I love that. That's all because of top three Tuesday. And you know, another thing that I look back, you know, I, I, the last couple of days I've been thinking about, you know, those 2012 to 2014, remember we would do the Google Hangouts with Keem? Yeah. yeah. That was also something that kind of kept the community together because not everybody was on there, but there was people that were regulars and it was fun just to, to talk shop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I became very close with Chad um, when I first met him. Uh, I think Somebody, somebody from the Game Chasers or uh, within their community mentioned to Chad that I was also in Newfoundland and he kind of reached out to me. And as soon as he reached out to me, that was it. I was his friend. I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> he just kept reaching out <laughs> to me. And that's kind of the way Chad worked. So, um, and, you know, I'm a little bit different than Chad. I didn't stay up till all hours in the night. I had to go to work in the morning, <laughs> but it would be nothing. And in Newfoundland, you're going to remember our time difference is crazy. Like, uh, Newfoundland has its own time zone where we're an hour and a half later than Eastern standard time. So we, yeah, we'd be talking to people in California, Texas, and you never know who was going to show up on like one of Chad's conversations. And uh, yeah, Chad had just messaged me like three in the morning and like, get me out of bed to come on chat and talk to people. (laughs) Yeah. I I miss that. I miss that a lot. That's awesome. and then once we kind of, once things changed after 14, 15, I noticed you, would, you used to do a lot of streams, a lot of NES streams. Yeah. And how would you pick your games? What would you, how would you decide what game you were going to stream? Because you would beat them in one sitting or you would attempt to. I remember sometimes you would attempt to. I would, I would try my best. Uh, originally I just picked a game I wanted to play and it was a lot easier to do then because it was just something I really wanted to play and try to beat myself. And then, uh, for some reason I picked Keith courage one night because I actually love the TurboGrafx 16 game. I know not everybody does. And I had so many people in the chat and like on Facebook afterwards saying that was terrible. You got to let us start choosing the game from now on that I had to start posting up a poll to let people choose what I should play after that. But originally I just played something I wanted to play. <laughs> and then your Halloween specials. Oh yeah. I love those. So what would you do? What, how would you come up with your Halloween specials? Because you put a lot of thought into those. Not as much as you would think coach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, usually it, the first special I did was uh, all the way back for a hundred subscribers. And uh, at the time I had already become friends with, 
I think it was, no, it was not a hundred subscribers, a hundred videos I had made. Cause you gotta remember I made like 65 top three Tuesday videos. So it was my hundredth video and I got, um, my friend, Mr. Dude. And then my other friend weekend game guy. And we had been talking for a while. We have our own chat called the bear club. And, uh, we've been doing that for years and everybody kind of made fun of me because I talk about how bad I am at soda Popinski. And we came up with an idea to see who could, you know, do the best against soda Popinski. So we did a, a challenge video. That was the first one. After we did that, we always talked about doing more and that morphed into, um, playing like, um, Halloween style game. So the first one was for a Halloween video was Friday the 13th. So just, we would come up with the idea of playing that game and seeing coming up with the rules on what would be the rules to see who could win. And then kind of, I would just go back and think about things from the movies and try to morph all that together. And I'd read a script and send it to the guys and they'd roll their eyes about how hokey it was, but they'd still go ahead with it and everything came out. My favorite one I did was probably the nightmare on Elm street, but I went too far with that one. I mean, there's four minutes of intro in that one of me fanboying all over nightmare on Elm street. So I, I Is probably that the one where you were at the cabin. No, that was the Friday the 13th one, the, okay. the nightmare on Elm street one. It starts. I, I can't remember exactly now off the top of my head, but I remember I bought a pumpkin and I had this idea to actually because I never monetize these videos because I wanted them just to be a celebration of Halloween and horror movies. So I would actually take music from the movies and everything and add it in. And I had this song from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 done by Tuesday Night. Uh, and for some reason, I wanted to do a long opening credit scene just to that with me cutting open a pumpkin, which added an extra like almost two minutes into the intro. And I definitely could have cut that off. <laughs> <laughs> I did love that video. And I don't know if you've ever seen Nightmare on Elm Street 4, but I had just bought my first green screen at the time. And I was determined to figure out some way to do the uh, waterbed scene where I'm on the waterbed and the girl is swimming underneath. And that was an absolute nightmare, <laughs> but uh, it was okay. It never turned out anywhere near as good as uh, seeing Joey in the waterbed with the girl swimming underneath. But I tried my best for somebody with no formal training on how to make videos. So what's your favorite horror game? Doesn't uh, matter. It could be new or old. Doesn't matter. Coach, it's still my question right from under me. <laughs> uh I would have a hundred percent answered Friday the 13th until I did the challenge with Nightmare on Elm Street and realized how to actually play it. But it's probably Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I, I know it has floaty controls. I can pick a million different problems out of it, but I, I just love it. In fact, uh, I don't know if you guys know who John Riggs is. John Riggs wrote me years and yeah. years and years ago. And he, he said, Hey, if I was ever going to make a NES game about you, like a hack game, what would you want it to be? And I told him, uh, Put me into Nightmare on Elm Street, but instead of collecting bones in the levels, I go around collecting Nintendo carts. That was my <laughs> idea. Never came around, but I thought it was that would be the best fit for me. It's such a good idea, though. I love it. Mm -hmm. So with so many, like, you know, you kind of touched on the scalpers and everything. And I know that's, you know, anyone that's into retro games at this point is familiar with that whole group of people. Um but do you think that in 2020 it's still you know worth getting into retro games and kind of trying to fight those scalpers and and collect games do you think it's still easy enough to get into it depends what you're asking me if you're talking about retro collecting prices yeah. are still high but um honestly i've seen here personally and i can't say for anywhere else because i haven't traveled out of my province now in a couple of years but 
they're actually having trouble moving a lot of their product, whether it be NES, um, Super Nintendo, or Sega Genesis, because with the release of the mini consoles and the prevalence now of emulation through like the Raspberry Pi, for whatever reason, people just aren't buying the retro games anymore. So uh, they're still... They still have them. Like they've got them. You you'd never go into one of our retro stores here and see full cabinets, but the cabinets are blocked to the point where they're not even like. Say if I went in and wanted to trade in a double game, they won't even take it at this point because they're not moving. They're not lowering their prices that I can see. I mean, the prices are still uh, equivalent to what eBay or uh, price charting would be, but they're not moving. So it seems to be at a breaking point where I think people are going to be able to start picking up some retro games pretty cheap. Uh, I made a video a little while ago, uh, not a great video, but a video I made. It's also a really good time to get into retro gaming for the reasons I just said, because so many different ways to play. I mean, you can go out and get classic consoles. There's a million different ways to emulate. Now's a great time to get into retro gaming. It's probably never been more accessible. Retro collecting, prices are still high, but I think we're at a point where some some of the luster of our generation is about to wear off. And I don't know if you guys collect uh, heavy like I do, but I noticed it when I was going around collecting in my time, uh, people were completely off. Like the stores wouldn't take them and no one was really looking for uh, Atari 2600 uh, games. And it seems like we're right at that point right now with uh, the NES games and maybe even Super Nintendo because people are so excited. I guess that age has come about where all they want now is N64, PlayStation 1, and after. And even PlayStation 1 has kind of lost some of its luster, and people are really clamoring now for PlayStation 2 and Dreamcast. So these things seem to come in waves of when a certain person hits a certain age and wants to relive their childhood, that's when these games seem to jump up a little bit more in price. I'm a collector myself, so I was going to say, this is all really fascinating and interesting because I haven't collected too much retro yet just because the prices are always so high and more than that just i can't find a lot of it because it's always gone right away when it does come in uh, i'll never forget uh, a few years ago on our way to pax we stopped at a store and my best friend found a copy of i want to say it's called musha for the oh, yeah. and yeah. he found it for like 70 bucks that's that's a pretty good deal and <laughs> And I, I've never seen that game in the wild before. So maybe it'll help with possibility of finding some of these older games. I've always, I would love to get a copy of adventure for the Atari mainly because I love the book ready player one. Yeah. Granted, but I would love to get it. And I have never seen it in the wild and I go out game hunting somewhat often. Do you regularly see Atari 2600 games? Uh, usually, but they're like the same five, six games at every store. Combat. Yeah. <laughs> Yara's Revenge. Yeah. The only game from that system that I liked <clears throat> was Kaboom. I have Kaboom. Yeah. That was like the only game, but I remember this was like, what, 83, 84 when we had the Atari? Was that, or maybe even earlier, but you know, I cut my teeth gaming in the arcades, you know, and so we finally got in our, uh, an Atari. My parents got us an Atari. And then I remember Pac-Man was released. So I didn't have it yet, but we rushed over to my friend's house to play it because I wanted to see it. I'm like, okay. And then this is like 
nine-year-old, 10-year-old me, you know, and, and I'm not a, a, a graphics nut anyway, so I, I don't care. But even back then, when I saw what I, you know, when he put it in and I'm like, wait, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I was never big on uh, Atari, but, um, but yeah, but Kaboom, if I, I haven't seen it for the, you know, any of the smartphones, but that's one game that um, I think would do good on a smartphone, but. There's something to be said about the Atari uh, Atari 2600 games. Like, uh, it depends on what kind of game you like. But for those that want to challenge and they don't mind repetition and constantly going back and playing something really quickly, but trying to get better every time you play it, that's what really originally brought people to the arcades. And that really is the charm of Atari. I, I play a lot of Atari and I'll have friends over and you know, they just don't see the appeal, but that's the appeal to me playing the same small segment over and over and over and trying to get incrementally better, learn the patterns until you can get a top score that interests me doesn't do it for everybody. And maybe that's kind of why people kind of turn away from Atari now. So now we could let's fast forward to now. Okay. So on your channel, you are, and even in, I seen on Twitter, you are uh, you're doing some new stuff with the uh, arcade one up. You want to talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> so again, I live on an island, and uh, we don't have a lot of access to things. And unfortunately, about probably about ten years ago, a guy here that goes by the Newfoundland Arcade guy pretty much bought up all the cabinets that remained here on the island. There's two guys that bought up the cabinets. One was my friend Ralph who got really lucky and he bought like a storage locker that was just filled with classic arcade cabinets. And I still got to talk to him about that because he has a Donkey Kong, but I don't know if I'm willing to pay his price for it. But anyways, he, he got like only remaining ones. The other guy, the Newfoundland arcade guy bought every single arcade cabinet that's here in the province pretty much cannibalized him, uh, like basically stripped him down, uh, put like LED TVs in them and put uh, Pandora boxes on them and then turned around and reskinned them and sold them for like $1,600, $1,700 for your in-home arcade machines. So it's literally impossible to buy an original arcade machine here on this island anymore. You can just buy these creations by this guy, the Newfoundland arcade guy. And I've always wanted an arcade cabinet in my home, but I'm not exactly technologically savvy, so there's a lot of things that can concern me about it like um I, kn I know it's not really that dangerous but like they say that you have to depower the tv screen or decharge it and it, you know that freaks me out and if something went wrong with it I, i'd be a million years trying to figure out how to fix the tube tv or get a replacement so those two things the fact that you can't get them and how scared i was of actually trying to work with a original arcade cabinet always made me shy away but i always wanted one so this company Arcade One Up came out and, uh, you know, people think whatever they want to think of them. But to me, I said, hey, this is a great opportunity for not really that much money to finally have an arcade cabinet in my house. So when the first wave came out, I bought Street Fighter 2 and it was pretty good. Um, I wasn't super in love with it, but, you know, it was an arcade cabinet in my house. And I said, I'm good. I've got an arcade cabinet now in my game room. It's what I've always wanted. I'm fine. And then about six months later, these guys released their second wave and Mortal Kombat 2 is there. And I was like, man, if I had my time back, I'd rather have Mortal Kombat 2 than Street Fighter because I'm more of a Mortal Kombat guy. We didn't get them here in Canada at that time after it was announced. 
six months later after that, they announced wave three and all of a sudden Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is announced. And I'm like, okay, now I'm interested again. So uh, then uh, after about four minutes of thinking, I pre-ordered the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cab and I finally had that in my house. And that was my dream cabinet from when I was a kid. I was born in 1980. So I was about nine when that hit the arcades. So that's right at the perfect time for falling in love with something like that. So then I had two. And then finally, you could get Mortal Kombat here. Then I had three. Then I found a way to get Final Fight. Then I had four. And uh, then I realized I was kind of hooked on these things. So I just got Star Wars. Uh, the other day, I went and got Marvel Superheroes. And I got about three more coming. So I've somehow, um, my wife's not really happy, but built like this mini arcade of these arcade one-ups in my basement. And I've got to decorate it now, too. I went out and I got like my friend who's a beer rep gave me like a full neon sign. I got an open flashing neon sign, neon lights around the place. I got eighties music blaring every Duran Duran song you've ever heard. So yeah, it's awesome. uh, really turned into a thing. <laughs> I love that. You have, That's so cool. Do you have like a grail piece that you, you're searching for or were searching for that, uh, that was like pushing you in, in collecting like for, for me, for instance, it was always, I want to get air you know, that terrible Final Fantasy fighting game on PS1. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I used to rent that yeah. all the time yeah. from the local I never, store. I never ended up finding it. But did you ever have like a grail piece that you were looking for? And did you find it? I did. And uh, I had a couple grail pieces. And one of them is actually a really sad story. But uh, the first one was a, a Nintendo top loader. Um, I, I know it's probably not that hard to get. But for me, it seemed impossible. You never saw one here. And uh, I ended up getting two. One I actually modded. Because if you get a top loader, it has an RF output. And for some reason, if you put it through the RF connection, there's these terrible jail bears going across. So I've got a modder friend here and we actually modded it. So it actually took a Super Nintendo AV cable in the back and that eliminated the jail bears as well. And the picture quality was fantastic. Also kind of gave it stereo sound. So it was the top loader. And then I got a top loader that was brand new mint in box. And I love that thing. That's probably my favorite thing I ever got. Um, game wise, I also really wanted, uh, we didn't have a lot of Saturn stuff here. So I wanted to get a copy of shining force three. Uh, for some reason that was like determined. That was the one game I wanted to get and I've gotten it and I have not played any of it at all ever since I've got it. So that's the sad story. I, I spent my entire collecting career trying to find a copy of shining force three, found one, and then I have not played it. <laughs> so when, when you, all of it anyways, when, when you go out collecting, do, do you like generally stay away from um, so-called like retro stores that, that specialize in this kind of stuff? No, not at all. You can't. Uh, those guys, a lot of times, are probably going to be your best leads. Like if you're looking for something specific, I remember like one of the games I really wanted uh, for my NES collection. I don't know how valuable it is or how rare, but uh, you just never saw it here. Was Batman uh, Return of the Joker and uh, like it, it's a really good game and also it uh it, i just really love the artwork i remember seeing it inside the comics of the 90s like you'd always see that joker face with the batman eyes and uh you just couldn't find a copy but thankfully because i went to the retro stores uh one day someone came in and offloaded a whole collection of like 300 games and i was like the first call he was like come down uh you gotta see what he's got i know one thing you'll want is batman return of the joker so you know because of my relationship going to the stores, making friends with the people that work there, uh, they looked out for me too. 
Yeah, I used to uh, I used to manage a retro store, and I really didn't like the way those guys um, dealt with their retro games. You know, they they took care of them, they cleaned them and whatnot, but it was always if we got anything rare, it was pulled off the shelves, throw it on eBay, and I was just kind of like, God, guys, like we we got to have this in the store. Like this is what's keeping people coming back in these cool finds, and they they refused to do that. So I wasn't sure if you had a similar experience or not. Not anything like that. Like uh, the only time one of because we have uh, three main stores here, like where I'm located now. Unfortunately, two of the other stores that we had across the island have gone out of business since. But uh, the three main stores that are in the capital city where I am, St. John's, the only time I've ever heard of one of them putting something up on eBay is if something's just sitting on the shelf for a long time. Like someone's not interested in it. There's a lot of really cool stuff that comes out here sometimes. Like I'm a big TurboGrafx-16 guy, too. And uh, TurboGrafx-16 stuff will come up and it's really cool. But like I have everything I kind of want. <laughs> so unless it's something I really don't have and don't want, I'm not going to buy it. And I'm probably like the only guy that's really interested in TurboGrafx-16 stuff here. So like say, for example, they had uh, I've never seen a magical chase and I don't know if I would have to sell a kidney to get it. But uh, they had a really expensive TurboGrafx-16 game that came up. They might have to turn to eBay to move it. It would be the only example where that would be done. Otherwise, like they would try to sell it in the store. One thing, one thing I'm really interested here is, um, I know we're talking about video games. But if I can spin off for a second, is the fact that you actually are on an island off the coast of Canada, New- Newfoundland. Um, can you do you, like how was the environment there? Because I imagine, like, like I know you said before, like getting stuff is like like very scarce, like gaming wise. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't know much of the history of Newfoundland, but I imagine there wasn't a whole lot of video game export there, right? No, it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, well, I mean, it's pretty normal. Like we, we got stuff, uh, like we have stores here. So we had like, um, Wolko before Walmart. I don't know if Wolko was a Canadian thing or if you guys had it or not, but, uh, our Wolko stores got turned into Walmarts in like 94. 94 so you know we had department stores everything came here but just the lesser quantities like uh turbographic stuff you only ever saw it at radio shack and like it was very limited what came in um sega master system was one that we didn't get a lot of so sega master system is probably one of the rarest things to find here just because it wasn't available in any of the stores so like nobody had a sega master system here uh yeah, the, I I don't really know a better way to say that. We're we're more modernized than what I want to say. It's just we don't have a lot of stuff coming, um, people passing through, people moving here that would maybe drop off stuff. Do you play a lot of modern games as well? Not as much anymore. Um, up until about probably uh, right at the start of the pandemic, because all my modern stuff, I like I've got a, a you know brand new. Samsung QLED uh, that I just bought. Uh, very excited. Like I've got Xbox Series X, you know, all the Pro- PlayStation 4 Pro, all that stuff. And uh, when the pandemic started, uh, my wife and my kid kind of moved into our main room where all that stuff is. And they've been here for three straight months. So I really haven't been able to use that stuff for about three months. So I've, I've been focused more on retro gaming in the last three months just because that's accessible. <laughs> Well, since 2016, what are some of your your favorite, you know, current gen games? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm going to be so basic with this, but it's the truth. Uh, I really enjoyed um, 
Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm actually, uh, I played through that twice. That's a lot for me for a game of that size. Uh, I really enjoyed a lot of the last PlayStation 4 exclusives like God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, uh, also, I really like Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 2 Remake, I played on Xbox One. I, I love that. I haven't touched Resident Evil 3 yet. Uh, I, I, I'm actually kind of disappointed they're not doing a new game in that style. It seems like they're going back to the Resident Evil 7 style, but uh, that's fine. Hmm, I don't know what else. I mean, pretty much if you can name a triple AAA game that's not uh, online multiplayer, I've probably played it in the last couple of years. So uh, did you watch the PS5 reveal? Yeah, I, I didn't watch it right away. I watched it after the fact, <laughs> but I did watch it. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, like a lot of the games I just mentioned, it seems like we're going to get follow ups on that. So, I mean, I'm really excited for Horizon Forbidden West, Resident Evil Village. You know, there's a lot of good stuff coming. I, I was surprised we didn't see God of War 2, but uh, uh, reading a lot of reports that that's going to be coming, too. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that. That's for sure coming. Uh, I can't wait for that game. Personally, God of War uh, was it's probably my favorite. Well, one of my favorite games on PS4, to be honest with you. Uh, that, that, that game was amazing. That Horizon, Spider-Man. Um, I, think I, yeah, are, I didn't uh, mention Spider-Man. Spider-Man was the other one I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Those those are PlayStation's, in my opinion, hard hitting exclusive games, and they just came out of nowhere this generation. Well, not God of War. Well, I, I guess kind of. We didn't really expect to see it again, but um, yeah, they they seem they seemingly came out of nowhere because if you compare the the, the hard hitting exclusives from the beginning of the PS4 era to the end, you're like, wow, you know, Spider-Man, Horizon, and God of War. Really, they kind of came out of nowhere. Like, um, no one's really talking about like Uncharted anymore. I mean, The Last of Us is coming out, but that seems like we're never going to see that on PS5 for a while. So, um, I think the only early gen PS4 exclusive that really has stayed is Bloodborne. Yeah, yeah, true that. Um, and that, that's still got a lot of hype around it. People are still talking about like a like a sort of like upgrade for that. But I don't know, Coach. Do you, do you want to talk about the PS5 discussion? Just yeah, going. let's do it. Let's do it. So, um, well, let's. I, I was I was thinking we could go around and we could. Talk about our top three, our top three uh, games that we thought was is going to be amazing, or something that interests us about it. You know, so yeah. Seth, give us one of your your top three games from the uh, reveal. Dude, honestly, my top game from the reveal was Ratchet and Clank. I mean, I I played. So my ex girlfriend got me Ratchet and Clank. I think it was twenty sixteen. Do I have that year right? Yes, twenty sixteen. Uh, my ex-girlfriend got me that when we were dating. It just as a surprise, as a nice gift. And dude, I played that. You know, obviously, like I, I didn't really like get into the Ratchet and Clank games when I was a kid. So when she got me that, I was kind of like, oh, you know, okay. So I played it to kind of make her happy at first, just to, like to be like, oh, look, you know, I'm playing your game. But I started playing it, and I'm like, whoa, this, this is amazing. Um, that game was. One of the best games I think I played on PS4. I mean, Ratchet and Clank in 2016, that, that the whole remake was just from top to bottom, absolutely phenomenal. And it was a budget game too. It came out at 40 bucks, and apparently it sold really well. So um, I was I was super impressed with Ratchet and Clank in 2016. And when I saw that pop up in that trailer, I was like, oh my god, like um, that looks so good, man. Him just shifting through dimensions, and that was all gameplay they showed and. It looks like, like a it showcase really, of the SSD. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's what I was just going to say. It really utilizes what sets the PS5 apart from the PS4. 
Yeah, it was really, really impressive. And of course, Ratchet looks good. Um, his girlfriend, who the internet has dubbed Ratchet, looks awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't wait for that, you know, because we don't get games like that much that, that much anymore. Just these really good, you know, not super violent, not super story based, but these really good gameplay focused like mascot games. And Ratchet is one of the only ones that's still holding on. And I'm really, really happy that they showed that off. Also, I just got to say, uh, Seth was right last week when we were all talking about Ratchet and Clank getting uh, announced. <laughs> Wasn't I, Coach? Yep. That's I was, right. Yeah, I, I, was. I was on your side. I know. I know. That's why I didn't come at you. Um, <laughs> also, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I was going to say, ahead. Insomniac did tweet today, Ratchet is a playable character. Why can't they just give us her name, though? You know, I don't know. I want to know, too. I drew her and I'm just like, I'm calling her Ratchet. <laughs> I hope they, I hope her name is Socket. Oh, I like it. Get it? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm hoping like I was thinking about that. It might be a uh, it might be a, like a Halo 2 type of thing where we go back and forth from each uh, character throughout the um, throughout the game. Because one thing that I noticed about the 2016 game is that every level was different yeah like there was no repetition between levels at all yeah you know that's what made that game so so good and i have to say that game on ps4 pro already looks like literally looks like you're playing like a pixar movie like i can't even imagine what this game is going to look like on ps5 i think i'm going to watch the ratchet and clank movie tonight oh dude the game the game looks like something that was ripped straight out of pixar it was amazing yeah um, but other than that, the PS5 reveal, obviously Spider-Man, um, I'm going to play that. Um, yeah. Speaking of Spider-Man, we have a question from Brandon who says, how excited are you for the new Spider-Man game based on the best Spider-Man of all time? The beautiful and kind young man, Miles Morales. Nobody could possibly hate the saint of a man. Um, <laughs> So, like, I don't want to get into the Miles Morales topic because, as you guys know, for me, that that, that is like a uh, four-hour-long discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I will say this, okay? Spider-Man on PS4 did Miles Morales. And I think we, we talked about this in, in our group chat the other night. Spider-Man on PS4 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did Miles Morales right. That is what happens when you get competent writers to write a character. The Spider-Man comic book with Miles Morales has been terrible since its inception. It's 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 a god awful comic book. There's no reason for anybody to read it. Just get your opinion of Miles Morales from the game in the in the, in the movie. If, if you like Miles Morales from those two things, don't read the comics because it's not the same character. It's written completely different. Um, but because I liked Miles Morales enough in the Spider-Man PS4 game. Uh, I don't have a problem with him being in the, this so-called standalone expansion. They're, they're, by the way, their their delivery with this has been absolutely terrible. I mean, have you guys There's so much confusion? Yeah, have you yeah. guys followed this story? Like, like they were yeah. at first they were like, oh, it's an expansion. Oh wait, it's not an expansion. It's standalone. Is it a sequel? Well, no, it's not a sequel. Well, is it okay? It's sort of like Lost Legacy, and then people were like, well, that kind of sucks, and then they're like, no, 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 no. It's definitely a sequel, but it's not Spider-Man 2. And then it, it just it was a nightmare. Like No, I'm and I'm so confused yeah. because I'm like the second I saw this, I was like, first off, I was like, okay, how did they turn this around so quick? Because at first I was <laughs> expecting it to be Spider-Man 2. 
Yeah. And secondly, you know, two reveals later, we get Ratchet and Clank. I was like, okay, so what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Because there is no way this is actually Spider Man 2. putting in work. Yeah. So well, I'm still like, confused. It was like the Europe guy for Sony put out the wrong information at yeah, first. That's what then, really did it. Yeah. Then Insomniac had to come in and in a tweet and then, you know, let everybody know what it was about. So isn't it like similar to, and I didn't play them, but you remember um, the uh, second son, infamous second son. First light. And, yeah. And then you had yeah. the first light. It's called first yep. light. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, uncharted had lost legacy. Yeah. There's the, there are these pseudo standalone games, but they're also kind of just expansions on the main game. It's really weird how they how how they word it. Um, but here's the thing too is I think you guys, I think this game could have been Spider Man too, um, simply by the fact that Spider Man only takes place in New York City. Like he like there, there's been stories of Spider Man going to other cities and being a world superhero, and they're all terrible. Spider Man needs to stay in in, in New York City. Um, but they they already rendered New York City so well, and and like I think you what you're gonna see in um the next Spider-Man games is they have the hard work done and really what they're going to add in is a couple new mechanics and a couple um, or not a couple, but a brand new story. And then that, that's going to be your Spider-Man game. So I think they probably could have turned around Spider-Man two in this amount of time. Um, but they focus on making Miles Morales, the character to answer fancy's question a little more. And again, I'm not going to go too in depth with this. They also gave Miles Morales the worst possible abilities he has from the comic books, which are his invisibility and his spider sting ability. And those two things make him practically an invincible character, which is the biggest problem with his comic book right now. I love it. <laughs> oh, you, you no, 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 no. He had it in the movie too. It, yeah. Hey, the movie was a well-written character though. Like he was, he was well-written. And uh, one of the main writers of into the spider verse got to like see the script for miles morales and he gave his full approval to it he says he loves the way it's done well yeah because sony's hiring competent writers yep and like 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 god i don't i'm not gonna talk about this elijah stop it that's enough <laughs> don't force them into it yeah because we're, we're, <laughs> i don't i don't want to derail this entire podcast i feel so passionately about miles morales as a character i will I'll derail the whole podcast um but other than that, I, what was that game called? It, it was like a really cool. It almost it was made by um, Epic. It was like a third person. Godfall. Ma- Godfall. Yeah, that looked really yeah. neat. Oh, I can't, uh, no, Gearbox. I to try that. Yeah, I'm sorry, Gearbox. Yeah, you're right. Um, Who, who's the dev? Yeah, that game looks interesting to me. I'm like very curious because wasn't that one of the first? That was the next very games? first game that got announced as a PlayStation Five game. It was at yeah. the Game Awards. Yeah, I'm um, I'm very curious about that game. I, I don't really understand what it is fully, but it looks interesting. Well, because at first I thought that that was like a Souls type game, but when you watch them play, it doesn't really seem like that. It seems more just like like, like almost like a Devil May Cry type game. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty interesting. It looks pretty pretty cool, right up my alley. So I'm really interested in that. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Like I was telling these guys over the past couple of days, like. I don't think there's anything that's going to make me get the PS5 at launch. There's just the the launch lineup itself does not seem to be there because I know like Ratchet's if, if Ratchet was confirmed at launch and Spider-Man was confirmed at launch, I'd probably get it. But... So I was thinking 
I wonder if one of the reasons we haven't seen a release date for Ratchet, could that be like it's on the cusp of being a launch game, but they're just not sure yet that it will be ready? That's that, that's my thought, too. And you know what, guys, to be honest, like, let's be fair. Like, I'll probably get it at launch anyway. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. with brain. I'm a consumer, I, so I'm like in the same boat. Like, I, I've been saying, like, yeah, I'm not going to get it. But realistically, there's probably still a decent chance I will. Um, like I said, the way I look at it is whether I get it in October, November when it launches or four months later, I'm still spending that same five, six hundred dollars for it. But at least I yeah. know the games I play in the meantime, meantime will run better, uh, look better, less load time, stuff like that. So at well, least are, are, everything I it, have will be better. Is it confirmed that Not you can yet. just put your PS4 games in the PS5 and and they're going to be they're Not gonna, yet. like it's going to no. work like that. Okay. No. Maybe hold hold off on that opinion. Well, the big thing is they said everything after what July 1st or July 15th or something like that has to run on PS5. So like even Cyberpunk I'm going to play that at least twice. So the second time that that that's hold running up. great. Hold up there, pal. You don't know how big it is. Let's let's put the brakes on that. Yes, so, I'm sorry. The company that made The me, Witcher 3. I know for me, I go back and forth. Today I woke up. No, I'm not going to get it. You know, the day before I woke up. You know what? I will get the PS5. Yeah, so it just it depends way. what day of the week it yeah. is. But this is legit what I'm balancing. Okay. The PS5, depending on what uh, what games are available. And with the reveal, I know we might talk about this later, but with the reveal of Star Wars Squadrons, and I spent a lot of time like going second frame by frame on that trailer, but I might, if I get that game, I will get a uh, Rift S, an Oculus Rift S, and I will play that primarily on... Um, through VR. Uh, so I'm either going to get that or I'm going to get the PS5. So I, I just don't know right now. Michael, what'd you think? What were some of the games that you liked? Kind of accidentally mentioned them earlier. <laughs> uh, again, uh, I haven't really been following new stuff for the last little while. I, I'm going to be honest with you. So when I saw some of the announcements, I guess as I'm getting older, I seem to be less and less interested in new IPs and I want to see mm. more stuff that I'm familiar with. So obviously horizon resident evil and uh, miles Morales, Spider-Man. Uh, those were the three games that really stuck out to me. Um, I was very confused by miles Morales, Spider-Man as well. I'm, <laughs> I'm still not sure what it is. Is it a sequel? Yeah. Is it not? Um, but you know what? It's going to be fun to play. I loved Spider-Man. I thought it was fantastic. So um, oh yeah, I'm excited to be back in that world and to do more stuff with his character. I, I I really like Miles's character in Spider-Man as well. That that whole story was fantastic. Like I, I there's not many times where I, I'm left bawling at the end of a game, and I'm sorry. I did too, man. Oh, I was man. like, man, am I am I just being emotional right now? But but I was like crying at the end of that game. Oh man, I, I don't want to say any spoilers, but like the very end, like it's been a long time since characters have gripped me that way and really made me emote. So yeah, Spider-Man was a big one I'm excited for. I, I definitely want to have more fun in Horizon and uh, I'm always down for a little bit more Resident Evil. So 
with you being such a huge retro collector, I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts are um, on the fact that they they announced that PS5 has two SKUs, and one of those SKUs is a digital only console. Um, <laughs> what do you think about that? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Uh, we saw it last gen with the Xbox. Yeah. What was it? The Xbox S all digital, and I was like, the Who sad is this edition. For? Yeah, the sad edition. I was like, who is this for? Who's going to buy this? And I understand why um, it's it's more beneficial for the game companies. And I've always took this stance on it very, very hard. I will not pay full price for a digital download game when I can go to the store and buy a physical copy. They save so much money by selling you that digital copy. There should at least be a, some kind of discount, 10% something, because they didn't have to pay, uh, didn't have to pay for packaging. They didn't have to pay for the disc printing. Uh, the, the only thing they got to pay for is the making a game and the marketing. They, they save so much time and money by making it digitally, and it's eventually going to be forced this way. Now, the offside of that is games aren't really games anymore, um, because really all you're buying when you buy a disc, and I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but it, it's... I mean, you put the disc in, it's more like this is the early days of PC, PC where you're basically buying a download disc. Um, last gen, when Xbox did the backwards compatibility with some games, uh, going back to the original Xbox, everybody was like, oh, it's cool, it's backwards compatibility. And I was like, well, not really. Like when I put my Morrowind copy into my Xbox One X, is it really reading off the disc or did it just realize that the disc is there, which gave me the download code to really take the digital version. It has already loaded up and play off that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I got a feeling it's more like that. And I got a feeling as time goes on, we'll still have discs, but you're not really playing off the disc anymore. So it's kind of like a digital download. But for me, I will not buy a digital game unless it's just a monochrome cheaper than the physical release. Yeah, and you know, I think one of my big concerns is, and and they haven't really confirmed what the deal is with the digital edition, but I know with the one with the Blu-ray, I think the kind of leak that's been going around, or maybe it's confirmed at this point, is that it has uh, a little less than a terabyte of storage space. It um, is confirmed. Yeah, and in 2020... 850, I want to say. Yeah, 850 gigabytes is not much in no. 2020 when games like, uh, for example, Modern Warfare, the... Uh, what's the battle royale mode? Warzone. Warzone. The Warzone download for my, for bleh, for Modern Warfare is like 120 gigabytes. I mean that that literally yeah. takes up. It, imagine know. if you had Destiny 2, Modern Warfare, and Final Fantasy 7 remake. Yeah, that right there is about 400 gigs. Yeah. You know what? So I'm my very least, concerned about that. You know what my least favorite thing about modern gaming is right now? It's not even the download times after you get the games. It's when you get a new game, choosing the two to three games you want to delete off your system so you can put yep. your new game on it. Um, so I can actually, so I can actually speak to this. Uh, theoretically, when we switch to the PS5 game side, and this is going to make sense at first, but hear me out. Um, game sizes should get significantly smaller. Um, so basically what game developers do right now is, um, let me pull up the actual, uh, thing here. Um, the assets are, are, are replicated super, super fast over and over and over again. 
uh, in order to enable them to be drawn in the scene quicker using slower hard drives. With an SSD, um, it, it shouldn't be as big because it, it's so fast that you don't need to duplicate assets. Um, that, that, that's what people are saying right now. That's not something I ever learned in my in my yeah. gaming development courses, um, but it seems that uh, almost everybody is saying that now. How how much smaller are they going to be? I don't know because we're also going to get you know probably four K textures. I was going to ask you about that specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it seems like the professionals are saying that the four K textures are not going to over overset the the amount of space that the games are going to be drop down to i don't honestly guys this is even above my head as far as game development goes i don't know um how this works because it doesn't make sense to me but this is this this is what people are saying so 825 gigabytes you know if a game is 50 gigs that's not terrible i mean it's small but it's not terrible like like because right right now we're getting games that are well over 100 gigs and that's 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 unacceptable for that Mm um also i believe the hard drive is a terabyte, but 825 gigs is the net space that we're that's never been confirmed. All that was said is it'll have 850 gigabytes of space. So so it's unknown which way that goes. I have to assume that it's the classic. Okay. You've got a terabyte, but you really, you have however much is left over after the hard drives formatted and you know, like the OS is installed and whatnot, like you get on your computer. I can't imagine that they, they put 850 gigs in a console. It doesn't even make any sense to me, but I, I digress. Making me pick three is like making me pick my favorite children. Honestly, so much of this entire conference spoke to me, which is what made me go, Oh my God, I need a PS five. Um, picking three. The first one I have to go with, is Kina Bridge of Spirits, which looks amazing. It looks like if Pikmin met cameo elements of power. And I love both of them. Uh, oh, I should say, I love cameo. Pikmin always looked fun. But I don't know anything about it. Um, cameo, I always absolutely loved. And it sounded like, I cannot remember his name, but the one actor I really like, it sounded like his voice at the beginning. And it just looks, that's another one. It looks like it uses the power of what the PS5 can do, where at the one point it showed it was like gray and dull. But as soon as she like defeated the evil there or whatever, it's like life sprung back into the world. And it just looked so beautiful. Uh, Not much is really known about it yet, but that is a game I'm keeping a very, very close eye on. This is the one that's from like the two animation guys, right? Yes, Ember. Okay, yeah, that one looked phenomenal. Yeah, um, that I, I oh, that looks amazing. I mean, it looks straight up like like a, I don't know what's a good comparison, like How to Train Your Dragon, like that kind of art yes. style. Like it looks very very well done. So I'm agreed. Very interested in that game. Um, my next one. Oh my god, which child am I gonna pick? Um, <laughs> I, I have to go with it. Resident Evil Village. Um, we all know I'm a huge Resident Evil fan. Resident Evil 7 is the only game I've ever done a speed run of. And I collect everything Resident Evil. I think, like I said, 7, I think might be one of my favorite games of the past five to 10 years. Um, and they are, it looks like they're continuing it with Village. This is definitely very different. 
all of the rumors and leaks seem to be true with like the witches and the werewolves and exactly how that's going to fit in. I don't know, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because I didn't know how a lot of seven was going to fit in. And now seven just feels like naturally part of the series. So I, I, I don't know. I'm all in. And Chris, I, is, is, is he, bad like it that's a big question i'm sitting here also it started with the end of or like his story comes to a close and it makes me wonder if it's talking about ethan the main character or if it's talking about chris i never noticed that and that's something i've I've been constantly like what what is going on and that has me even more excited for this game what I'm also curious to see about how it fits in this game is how Chris fits through the door frames in this game because he <laughs> is a wide boy. <laughs> There's this wonderful picture going around of it says Chris from 1998 or 1996 and it has him. He's just like a dog with the outfit on and then it says Chris 2020 and it shows him just kind of like as a giant boulder. <laughs> I mean, he looks ridiculous. Absolutely really ridiculous. I love it. He looks a lot like his version from the Vendetta animated movie, which a lot of people don't know, but the animated movies are part are canon in the gaming Resident Evil universe. Yeah. Um, and then third game. Oh God. Oh God. I want to pick like eight of them. Um, I'm going to go with Little Devil Inside. That's the one that the animation style looked almost like paper mache maybe and the trailer kept going back and forth between like the old guy chilling in his house and then the kid out on adventures hunting hunting creatures not much is known about it but i absolutely love that style and i've loved what we've seen so far and i'm so so captivated and fascinated by it austin all right so um i have an interesting list here and i'm trying to kind of make sure it's not repetitive because I probably would have listed like Spider-Man or Resident Evil, but um, I have three here that I'm very excited for. The first one, say it going, going into this conference. I wasn't sure what I was expecting, but the first one is absolutely bug snacks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was waiting for. Legitimately. When, when this trailer started, I was like, okay, what, what is this? I but was when like, he ate right. his strawberry, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, all right, I don't, I don't know what this is. But then it was like, oh, from the people that made Octodad, and I was like, okay, everything suddenly makes sense. Um, it looks phenomenal. I'm, I'm very curious about how the game itself plays, but I really like the concept. I think it's very unique. Um, and again, I loved Octodad, so I'm, I'm highly anticipating Bug Snacks. Um, the next game, another game that absolutely shocked me um, because I typically am not a big fan of games from Bethesda in general, but Deathloop looks um, great. And I was I was quite shocked by how good Deathloop look, I looked. I know it's from the people that made... Uh, uh, Dishonored. What in the world? Yeah, Dishonored. That's what I'm looking for. And I, I played a little bit of Dishonored and I wasn't a big fan of it, but um, the way this game plays and again, the concept of it just looks right up my alley um, i, I, really I love how the, it oozes that like almost like grindhouse style yeah that yeah oh, that captured captivated me so much yeah and i was i was 
kind of curious at the end because obviously the trailer ends with the kind of view swapping to the other like assassin person i'm kind of curious like how that plays into the game and if at first um, you don't succeed die die again <laughs> but you know it it looks great i thought um it, you know it just wasn't something i was expecting to really come out of this conference and being like or reveal and being like wow that's a game I, i'm excited for can, uh, can we also take a moment to acknowledge that two bethesda games are timed yeah. console exclusives I was going to say this game is is timed exclusive on PS4 and so is Ghostwire. Yeah. So like that's that's very big. Yeah. Um very very neat I think. It seems like Sony's kind of making a lot of partnerships here. Um Godfall which we brought up earlier also uh PS4 PS5 I think timed exclusive but No, I to the best of my knowledge that is a permanent exclusive. Yeah. So, and then my last one is a game I've never played. I've always wanted to play. Um, and when the trailer started, I was like, good God, they've done it again. And that game is Demon's Souls. Yeah, I was hoping someone um, would mention it. Blue Point, honestly, for the last 10 years or so, uh, I guess is around how long they've been remaking games. Um, they have made some phenomenal remasters and ports. But, you know, even in the last few years with Shadow of the Colossus, with that just crazy remake that they made top notch um, and then now demon souls i mean demon souls looks like it's just phenomenal by comparison to the original um i know they said it's gonna have some sort of like high frame rate mode or high fidelity mode so i'm, I'm like really really into that as well they, they uh, really really have become a top notch developer they yeah, did great so, with the metal gear solid collection yep yep so those are my three all right, my three. Um, of course, Ratchet and Clank, because the podcast before Seth and I were talking about that, and I really fell in love with 2016. I never really played the the ones before. Um, I did pick up the first one on the PS3, but I know that I'll also play the remasters as well here pretty soon. Um, but the the other game that really caught my attention was Oddworld Soulstorm. Yes. Um, that looked really good. Uh, everything about it. I mean, it, it looked like it, it is one of the originals, you know, that was on the, so the PS one. It is. Um, I actually, I, my one friend is a huge odd world fan. So she was giving me the lowdown. It is a remake slash reimagining of the second game. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, because there's, Oddworld New and Tasty, which came out on the PS3 and PS4, which was a remake slash reimagining of the first game. And then now they're doing the second game. Oh, nice. I would have never okay. known that if she didn't tell me. Right. Okay. Because those aren't really big games, you know, like we knew about them. We saw them, but they weren't like the big platformers of the day. No, they and weren't. And then my number one game of them all looks like the adventure type of uh, Breath of the Wild, that's Kenna, Bridge of Spirits. Yeah. Yeah, that game looks, yeah. it, it's not, uh, it's, it looks so crisp and clean and and it's an adventure game. It is straight up like it is Zelda adventure game. So that game, when I saw that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's definite. I'm so, so excited for that. Yeah, like if that was a day one purchase like or if it was on release date i i would almost probably get it for that game and it looks really good 
what's amazing is a lot of these indies that they showed off are PlayStation console exclusive, at least timed. Bug yep. Snacks, Goodbye Volcano High, Jet the Far Shore, Kena Bridge of Spirits, and Little Devil Inside are all at the very least timed console exclusives, but I'm pretty sure all of them are just straight up exclusive to the console and PC. I was just going to point out before we end the show, Project Athea um, has my interest as well. One, because uh, the writer of Rogue One, Gary Witta, is involved in in writing the game, which is Best Star Wars movie. Yep. And secondly... Uh, there's a lot of stuff going around that this may be some sort of sequel slash follow-up to Final Fantasy 15. Oh, I saw um, that. I saw that. It's very yeah. compelling, too. Yeah, there's a there's a shot in the trailer, and they literally matched it up with a shot from Final Fantasy 15, and the landmarks are identical. Like, it literally identical. So unless they reused assets, hmm. um, this could potentially be some sort of Final Fantasy game. But you can't, like... I mean, the Square is pretty dumb these days, but you can't purposefully reuse the two biggest assets on the yeah. map of yeah. Final Fantasy 15. Like, Elijah, we're talking about the giant, like, land bridge that goes across. Yeah. And the spiky mountain thing. Um, I, those I are, never those are both together, but yeah. They're both sticking up out of the clouds in Project Athia, and, like, they're in, the, they're, they're in, like, the identical orientation as well for the Final Fantasy 15 maps. That's what I'm saying. Like, you'd have to be really dense to reuse the, the the exact assets that stick out the most from Final Fantasy 15's map, like I don't know, man, that that doesn't. It has to be the, in, the yeah. same. Yeah, and and just to back it up a little more, it is from the same development team. Yep. So, yeah. But anyway, that was off topic. But I, I just thought that was an interesting game that we hadn't touched on. No, like uh, so many of these games spoke to me, and it, like almost every single game they showed, I'm like, I really want to play that, and. Like I said, the reason I am all in on PS5 day one is because at least I know for the next couple years, I am going to be so interested in the games coming out for it. But the question, Elijah, is if the PS5 was digital only, would you get it? Nope. We had that discussion earlier. All right, guys. uh, We're going to uh, go ahead and bring this to a close uh michael b how can people get a hold of you on social media uh well first of all you can come find me on youtube michael b the game genie um mostly on twitter nowadays uh, in terms of uh, actually getting in contact with me so you can find me on twitter at at mike b game genie uh i'm on instagram michael b 1980 and uh facebook michael b the game genie and i think that's about all of them all right, thank you so much for being on. And I've, I wanted you on, we, we wanted you on, and uh, you gave us good insight on retro collecting, which was awesome. Yeah, so yeah that, we appreciate that, that really meant a lot to me too. Well, thanks guys. And coach, I've known you forever, man. So it was great to catch up with you too. That's right, that's right. Okay, so Frameskip is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Tune. What is that? Tune in? It is tune in. Okay, tune in. All right. <laughs> it is tune and you in. Can, okay. And you can find us, uh, you can find Frameskip Pod on Twitter at Frameskip P O D Pod. And then uh, Seth, 
is at Seth S. Taylor. Coach is at Poop, right? Is that just what it says? At 32-Bit Professor. Elijah's at Local Lizardman. And last but not least, Austin is at Austin J. Eller. I am Ron Burgundy? All right, guys. Awesome show. Thank you.